right, come on in, grab a seat, time for church. Kind of high five somebody around you. Give a high five all the way around. High five all around. Live streamers, good to have you wherever you're watching from. All right, some announcements real quick before we get into worship tonight. Uh, it is uh, youth hangout tonight, so when worship's over, fifth to twelfth grade can follow. Oh, wrong side, Chamberlain. All right, he's got youth tonight. Of course, the kids are with us for worship. They'll be dismissed to their uh, kids' church right when worship's done. Also, um, by the way, when we're all done tonight, we got s'mores outside. Little little fire, some s'mores if you want to hang out. So, how many of you like s'mores? Anybody in that? Okay, all right. So, that's what we're gonna do tonight after church. I'm not going to make a s'more. You know what I do? While y'all are at the fire with your marshmallows, I just sit there eating chocolate. That's just, that's my part. That's all I do. So, and Nate's with me on that. Yeah, there you go. All right, so um, that's afterwards tonight, um, right out front here. Don't forget, if you want to help, this coming Saturday at 9 a.m., probably till about noonish or so, I've got like five or six projects here at the church that I'd like to get done. Some organizing. Uh, some touch-up painting and some things like that. So if you want to come out this Saturday from 9 to about noonish or so, come on out. We got, we're going to break the carpet cleaner out, you know, hit some spots on the carpets and things like that. So uh, you're more than welcome to join us this Saturday for that. Also, don't forget, VBS is coming up a week from this Sunday. So uh, the 25th, 26th, 27th, we have our yearly vacation Bible school from 6 to 8 p.m. each night, and we're excited about that. If you want to volunteer and you didn't sign up for that, we're going to pass that around again this Sunday. Or you can see Miss Kenzie over there, and she's got all the details of everything happening, but we're excited about VBS coming up. Amen? Amen. All right, everybody jump up on your feet. Let's uh, worship Jesus together tonight.
always meet us right where we are. We give you all that we have, Father, knowing that you first gave it to us. Come, Lord, I pray that you would just have your way, Father. 
that you would speak to us tonight, God. That we would be able to concentrate on what you're doing, Father, right here, right now. The way that you want to move, God. We just say, let the wind blow. Let your fire fall. Let your glory come. Go around if you would. We're glad to have you here. Greet some of your family of faith and kids and youth. You are dismissed. Well, good evening, everybody. I know we're getting kids' church checked in, and um, uh, youth is heading out for youth hangouts. So we'll give them a second. Um, but if you want to come out Saturday, like I said, and help us out in the morning for a little bit, I'd appreciate it. And uh, finish up some of our spring cleaning, whatever, because it's already summer, so kind of missed that boat. So early summer cleaning, how about we call it that, an organization? Uh, but it's good to have you tonight. So if you do have something to give, you can prep it, offering envelopes in the chairs in front of you. If not, Mike has some envelopes to pass out. Wave your hand around and he'll help you out. But uh, let me pray over that. And then uh, when I'm finished praying, you can bring it down to the buckets. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to come to the house to be with you tonight, Lord, to worship, to get into the word uh, and fellowship afterwards tonight, Lord. And we thank you so much uh, for how much you have done for each one of us, Lord. And Lord, uh, if we were ever sit around and try to count the ways, I think we'd, we would come up with a pretty, pretty good list, probably couldn't even remember it all. And, and even so many ways that, that you did what you do, and we didn't even know it. And we thank you for it, Lord. And in the provision and the increase in our lives, Lord, I pray, Lord, that... Uh, that we are always grateful and we never lose in our hearts the understanding of, of what a wonderful, faithful God you are to us. And we thank you for that. So as we give tonight, we're honoring you because of that. In Jesus' name, everybody says, amen. Bring it if you got it. And, uh, of course, afterwards, um, we are having some s'mores. So 
If you brought a lawn chair or one of those folding chairs, cool. If not, you can hang around and maybe we can break some chairs out or something. But please hang out for a while and uh, spend a little time just fellowshipping after church. All right, Proverbs chapter 21, if you've got your Bibles. We're in the book of Proverbs for a little while. Uh, Sunday, by the way, we're also going to continue in our theme of uh, discipleship. What does it mean to actually follow Jesus? And that's what we've been talking about. So Proverbs chapter 21 and verse number 2. So, so one, one verse, one proverb tonight, uh, pulling from uh, the book of Proverbs, which wisdom literature in your Bible. And it says, as every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs his heart. Most people, if not all people, in some manner believe that the way they're living is the best way. And, and I understand we, we like to figure things out. We understand we make mistakes and things like this. But in a general sense, mankind believes that we're doing what we think is right. We live by how we feel. We live by what we think benefits us personally the most and, and things like that. But understand that God not only sees that, but he kind of he looks past it and he gets at your heart. And God knows the state of our hearts. He is never ignorant or hidden from really what is going on in our hearts. So uh, there's a couple of things that he sees, and, and so we're going to talk about these couple of things for a little bit. First of all, because God sees your heart, God really sees who you are in spite of what you put on on the outside. In other words, you cannot hide from him really what is there, right? You can put on the show, but he sees past the show. Remember the Wizard of Oz, the great and powerful Oz? It's just a little dude behind a curtain pulling all this, you know, the, the, the cords and pushing the buttons and making himself seem. God sees the little man, not the great and powerful Oz, right? So God's sees your heart, so he sees you as you really are. And secondly, what kind of goes along with that is God sees the motivations for why you do what you do. And those two things go hand in hand. So he sees you for who you are, and he also sees your motivations. By the way, your motivations and why you do what you do is very important. Remember what Jesus dealing with the the scribes, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law uh, seem to be the antagonists of, of the Gospels with Jesus. Matthew chapter 23, verse number 25, I'm, I'm going to turn there. And it's this chapter of all these great woes that Jesus is uh, proclaiming towards these groups of people. So Matthew 23, 25 kind of plays out what the proverb is talking about. By the way, so you think the scribes, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, these were the people that were supposed to understand the law of God, the ways of God, uh, probably the best way. And, and not only that, but some of them were entrusted with teaching other people to live by them. But here's what Jesus was seeing, verse, verse uh, 25. 
Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Strong word there. For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and plate, that the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you are like whitewashed tombs, outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. I mean, he's just, he's just getting all over them, stepping all over their toes, kicking them in the shins a little bit, right? He's trying to get them to wake up. Again, God sees the heart. He sees you as you really are. And in that, then he judges your motives. You can look great on the outside. You can put on the show that you have it all together. But yet your heart may not be in a good place. Remember the parable of, uh, of the Pharisee and, and the sinner? The Pharisee's standing there praying, congratulating himself in his prayers to God. Well, God, man, I tithe. I do the righteous stuff. I, I, I give to the poor. I do all the righteous and religious stuff. And, and you got the sinner. He, he wouldn't even come that close. He wouldn't even look up to heaven but he really exposes his heart before God in his need, right? God saw both the hearts. This guy was doing the religious stuff. He was tithing, probably was reading the laws he should have, was doing the business in the temple that he should have been, probably was given to the poor as he should have been. You put it in our Christian context, probably going to church every Sunday and Wednesday, was volunteering in the kids' church. Man, that, that's a big thing. Uh, you know, he was doing all this stuff, right? But his heart was far from God. Pride got in the way. God could see his heart and see the motivations of what he did. But then you have the one that wouldn't even come over, the sinner. He wouldn't even look up to God, and he's pouring out his heart to God. And Jesus said, now look. The one who appeared religious or the one that knew he was a sinner, who left justified before God? The sinner did. And, and, and the religious person was all stopped up in their own pride. Couldn't even see past the big logs hanging out of his own eyes. To the point that he said, thank goodness I'm not like that. And when Jesus said, judge not lest ye be judged, exactly what he's talking about. Getting all religious about yourself and how great, you know, in relation in God that you are because you do all the religious stuff and prideful because you're not like this lost sinner over here. And God says, that heart is closer to me than your heart. Missing all the logs hanging out of your eyes. So God sees the heart and he sees the motivations of why you do what you do. Jesus actually touches on this sort of thing quite a bit. Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6. Remember, he gets in this thing, he says, And when you give to those in need, 
Don't do it in such a way that everybody sees you do it, right? Matter of fact, do it in such a way that your left hand doesn't even know what your right hand is doing. Why? He's getting after the motivations of why you do what you do. Do you do it so people can see you do it, then pat you on the back and say, wow, you're, you're such a great person? Well, if that's what you do, then that's the reward you get. You're a great person, but you don't get reward from him. Then he goes on to say, and when you pray, don't stand on the street corners and be seen by everybody. So, again, they'll come over and say, wow, you have such a great relationship with God. Look at you praying, pat you on the back. Well, if that's the way you are, you'll get that reward, but that's all the rewards you get. As a matter of fact, if you want to do it with the right motivation, go into your house, close the door on the closet, and pray in secret. And when God sees what you do in secrets, he rewards you. What's he getting after? Your motivation. Then he keeps on. He doesn't, he doesn't let up. And then when you fast, go without food for a specific time of, uh, of prayer, right? You're led by the Spirit to do that. When you do it, don't walk around all mopey, you know, gropey and, and complaining that you're hungry. And so somebody finds, well, what's wrong with you? Why are you so hungry? Well, didn't you know I'm fasting? Oh, you're so spiritual. Look at you fasting. I hate to fast. And pat you on the back. Because that's the reward you're going to get, somebody patting you on the back. But if you want reward from God, do about in such a way that no one knows you're fasting. You don't walk by somebody eating their donut and going, oh, I wish I could eat that donut. Why can't you? Oh, I'm fasting. That's called some false humility right there. God sees the motivations of your heart. Matter of fact, when Samuel went to anoint the next king, because Saul was in a mess. And remember, the, the sons of Jesse were being brought before Samuel. And the oldest son comes, and Samuel thinks, surely this is the guy. And God says, nope. All the way down to the youngest guy who wasn't even there, he's out tending the sheep. And God tells Samuel, I don't worry about the outward appearance. I'm looking at the heart. And that boy has a heart after me. Anoint him as king. God sees through all the fluff. How about this? Let's just stop pretending. Stop pretending. You don't have to fake it till you make it. That's not good advice for your spiritual life. How about this? Let's just go and be honest. And instead of standing up like the Pharisee and praying these prayers of self-righteousness, be honest if you're like the sinner who's in the back that came and look up to God and just cry out to him because God responds to that. So God sees you for, for what you really are, and he sees the motivations of your hearts. So all that to say this. With the help of the Holy Spirit, you must learn to be aware of the state of your heart. Remember, and we've been talking about this Sunday. Let me remind you. Discipleship is ultimately asking this question. What kind of person am I going to be in light of Jesus Christ? That's discipleship. Discipleship is not what do I get. Yes, there's benefits of following Jesus and certainly the reward of eternal life. 
But absolute discipleship is what kind of person am I going to be? And where does that start? The heart. And we've got to start to being self-aware of what we really are versus the show we put on on the outside and close the gap. Self-aware. I've used this term before. You've got, you got to have some mirror experiences with the help of the Holy Spirit. Not to beat yourself up or to live in guilt or to, to live in shame, but look at yourself and be honest. And allow the Holy Spirit to help you deal with the state of your heart. And be honest about what really is there. Because I, I'm going to guess that there are certain people that really know you, but nobody knows you, knows you, knows you. My wife knows me better than anybody else in this room, but I, I, I'm going to guess she doesn't know me, know me, know me, know me like the Holy Spirit knows me. She, I, I promise you, she could make a list. Here are the faults of my husband. True? Wouldn't be a big list, would it? Yeah, okay, she, she's, not, she's not conceding there. All right, a long ride home. Anyways, um, but the Holy Spirit could make a list, if you know what I'm saying. But the thing is, he doesn't do that to you, does he? He doesn't come with a 15-point list. He, he comes with the thing that's on fire right now. Let's just deal with this. This is very important right here. Let, let's just, right? But to be honest, and don't be like the Pharisee who thinks because I do the religious things that everything's honky-dory. Be honest. Let the religious things flow from a heart that is getting closer to God and learning to know him and being shaped into his image. Because then when you do the religious things, it's done with the right motivation. Right? See, the motivation thing, by, by the way, is, is a big thing. See, honest question beyond the state of your heart is, why do you do what you do? Think about that. Again, some self-awareness that you really think through your processes. So, so for instance, a couple examples here. Maybe some of the reasons you do the things you do because you're really in self-promotion. And, and in self-promoting, you have a certain way of dealing with other people that really isn't ethical to the Christian faith. So in other words, trying to snuff somebody else's candle out really doesn't make yours shine any brighter. I'm so worried about promoting myself, I'm going to win the rat race. That means pushing somebody else out, pushing somebody else down. I got to win. I got to win. Right? That, that, that's wrong motivation in how to live life. You know, trying to snuff somebody else's candle out to try to make your shine brighter goes entirely opposite of love your neighbors yourself, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, and that whole business. Right? So why do you do what you do? So 
In motivation, be aware of jealousy. In your motivation, be aware of pride. In your motivations, be aware of false humility, like we were just sharing a minute ago. And I'm not saying you can never share things that you do for Jesus, but my goodness, in a social media-driven world, there's so much, look what I did put out there, I just don't think it's proper all the time. That turns into self-promotion more than Jesus' promotion. How about this? Here's just a rule of thumb I have. I've been doing this for a long time, and if I'm ever involved in something where somebody's life has changed and what I do, I let their testimony speak for themselves. I don't need to speak it for them and say, well, look what I was involved in. Look what I did. You see what I'm getting at? Check your motivations for why you do what you do. Motivations ultimately cannot be centered around self. Yeah, you, you got to take care of yourself. Yes, look out for yourself. I understand that. But existence should not be wrapped up in selfish living. That'll set your motivations wrong. In other words, in everything that you do, what do I get out of this is a bad way to live. Not good existence. The whole point of the Christian faith not only deals with you, but ultimately turns you outward. Think about it. So an example that, that is really obvious and, and, and probably straightforward. So the fruit of the Spirit in which you are to grow in, right? You, you can look at the fruit of the Spirit and really have a mirror moment. Am I correct? Be honest with yourself. You, you had, listen, you had a rough day at work, whatever it was. Wasn't your fault. You just had a rough day. Ever have that? And you get home, and then right away you got problems at home. Your kids are asking like, like, like a bunch of animals, and you're just like, ah, rough day at work. Kids are going crazy. Well, whatever else can happen. And right before you go to bed, look at yourself in the mirror and say, did I express love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control today. Now I'm really seeing my heart. Listen to me. True character, your heart, is often mostly exposed when things don't go your way. It's easy to display good character when everything's great, well, when things are not happening your way, often what's really inside of you is exposed. You think about that. So I can put on a show of patience when nobody's bugging me and I'm having a good day, right? But when my patience is actually tried, do I have the fruit of the spirit of patience actually growing in my life? My heart's exposed. that and God sees it you're not fooling him and you can be really honest because what happens is what is happening with your heart again it turns out so when you think about love and you think about joy and you think about peace and you think about patience and kindness that's all about other people 
The Christian life is not selfish living. Not, do I, not what do I get out of my relationship with you, but how can I express to you godliness that's growing in me? That ultimately the way the Christian life works out. It's not self-centered. Self can turn into like this black hole. A black hole, black hole is, is, is space, and it, everything's kind of drawn and sucked into it and, and lost. That's what self does. When, when you're selfish, everything kind of gets sucked into your existence, and it's just lost. No good. Jesus is wanting us not only to be honest and to give our entire, as his discipleship, our entire being over to him. Because if you don't give the whole thing, technically there's sections of your heart that you have not given. You've got to give the whole thing. And allow him to do this, this work of progress through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, through uh, your time in the Word, uh, through, through prayer, through moments where, where you're just honest about how you've been and the Holy Spirit gets involved, to do a work of absolute transformation in your life where your heart, though you are not perfect, he sees your heart and he says, that heart's after me. Now, a heart after God is not going to be perfection, my goodness. But it's the heart that is devoted to becoming like him in such a way that not only changes you, but then changes what you do out here. And now absolutely, positively, entirely change the reasons for why you do what you do. Change your motivations. It'll turn them upside down. Because your motives will go from, again, what do I get out of this? How do I benefit myself? As, as a matter of fact, how do I get ahead in this? Or turn it back into what can I give? That benefits you. Without the worry of return. Right? And then what you do is you just trust God that you'll just simply reap what you sow. And you trust the processes of God. That even in times when you're like that, you end up on the short end of the stick. It's okay. It's, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. You know, whole business, Jesus is one of the hardest sections of the entire Bible. When somebody slaps you in the head, if he caught you on the right side, turn him to the left. You're just like, are you serious right now? No way. Absolutely not. Right? And he goes on to say, if someone says, you got to carry my stuff a mile, which the reason he talked about that, there was a law in Rome that soldiers could do that. They could grab an ordinary citizen and say, you've got to carry my stuff for this far of a distance. They could make them do that, just pull you right off the street. And Jesus says, if that happens to you, when you get to the first mile, go, can I take it another mile for you? Are you serious right now? You're kidding me. Now, what are you going to get out of carrying it the second mile? Nothing. Four legs. Tired arms, 
wrecked your schedule? Didn't get to eat lunch? What do you get out of it? You get hit on the other side of the head after you got hit this side. A matching bruise? I don't know. What do you get out of it? Nothing that feels like it benefits you. I know that. Nothing beneficial about getting hit twice in the head. Nothing beneficial. But he's getting after the nature of your motivations. He's getting after the nature of your heart. He's getting after the nature of that you don't need to retaliate like the world does because they're lost. Getting after your heart. See that? So be honest with yourself. Be honest about, again, that you have, to, you have to put it this way, you have to learn how to be reflective about yourself. Reflective. That if I know the scripture is full of not behavior modification, no, it's not behavior modification. The scripture is full of teaching us what it means to be free from sin, and that will change your behavior. Okay? If we know that there is a narrow road, there is a way that we're called to walk on, you have to be self-reflective. You have to think about it. You have to. And, and I think it's in the moments, again, mostly, where there's some sort of conflict in your life, that if you didn't pause enough to think during it or pray during it, afterwards to think, did I do the Jesus way in that situation? And be honest. And if you feel yourself fall short, which you might, or if the Holy Spirit says, hello, I'm glad you're thinking about this. Let me share something with you. And he convicts your heart that you're honest enough to do two things. Go and apologize. And then ask the Holy Spirit to help you going forward in that. So, so, in disciplining my kids growing up, it's not that you can't ever set discipline or, or, or be strong and, and be, you know, hey, let me tell you some business here if you don't straighten out. But when you're out of control screaming and yelling and threatening their life, and no. That you self-reflect. Holy Spirit... The child needs discipline, but that was not reflective of proper discipline. Help me. And one of the greatest things you can ever do to your child is go to them and say, I'm sorry, that is not correct. You're wrong, here's the right discipline, but what I just did, what I said, the, the, the tone of my voice, that loud, that was not right. Can you imagine God the Father coming down and disciplining you that way every time you make mistakes, showing up and you're stamping and screaming and yelling and threatening your life and throwing stuff around the room. and Wow, that's an angry God. God can be angry, but he's never out of control. You see what I'm getting at? Example. You're at work. 
Your boss has been agitating you all day long. And you're in the back room blowing it out to all your coworkers. No, that's not the Christian faith. The Christian faith is to go talk to your boss. Be mature. And shut your trap with everybody else. And if you did that, then you go back to your coworker and say, you know what, I shouldn't have talked about him that way. I'm, I'm sorry. Or her. I'm sorry. And then pray you, you do better next time. You grow in self-control. You grow in kindness. You grow in gentleness. You know what I'm getting at? You can be very self-reflective about moments of your life if you choose to be and are honest with yourself. Not to shame yourself. You just go, I, I just fell over. Okay, you know what? I bloody my knees. I'm going to get up. I'm going to clean it. Holy Spirit, help me. I'm going to be an example of Christ-likeness in my workplace or to my children or to my spouse or at my family reunion or whatever's happening. Amen? That's what we're called to do. Being a light in the world is not that you have to move to the southernmost tip of Africa to share the, the gospel with people. You want to do that, go for it. But being a light of the world is how you respond in front of your coworkers when your boss is being a jerk. Being a light of the world is how you treat your kids when they need discipline, but you do it in a proper way. That's a light to the world. When we think about it in the context of having to go out and share the gospel, Jesus said, you're a light of the world, you're a city on a hill, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. In other words, the things that come from your life. But if your heart isn't right, or it's not growing at least, into Christ's likeness, eventually the show you put on will break down and it will be exposed. Because you can't hide it for very long. Amen? So, what am I telling you? You better be perfect by tomorrow morning. No. I wouldn't make it. What I'm telling you is, be reflective. Be honest. Ask for help. Learn in certain moments that are happening to actually in your mind, and your heart, whatever's going on, pray, Lord, help me right now. Because remember, we were talking about discipleship this past Sunday. Early in growth, early in growth, there's things that you know, but that's not your immediate way of being, so you're compelled to act a certain way by something you know, right? But the longer you grow, you live freely in those things without necessarily making yourself do it. Does that make sense? Because you've grown the fruit. It's growing. Same thing with this stuff. It may be, it, it, let's, say, let's say you have an issue with your anger. It may be you know, you feel it coming. You know what I'm talking about? You just, you learn in those moments right there, help me right now because I'm about ready to get out of self-control. Let me tell you something. I believe in growth in the Christian life down the road, that anger won't even be coming like it did. Because there's change. But it's got to start somewhere. And it won't start till you're honest with yourself. And it won't start till the Holy Spirit can get involved and help you. It, it, it won't 
mean anything to do this by yourself and your own will anyway. You need him. You can't be the Christian life without him. That just makes sense, but we often try to do without him. Lord, you know, I'm going to do my best to be like this today. Well, did you pray at all? Are you ever in the scriptures, ever, outside of when you show up to church? Um, see what I mean? You've got to participate in this gross stuff, right? Active participation with it, working with the Holy Spirit, and there'll be change. So I know I've shared this before, but again, I got saved when I was 17, finally grew up in church, but finally gave my life to Jesus when I was 17, just out of high school. Me at 17 and me at this age, there is a chasm of difference. Am I perfect? No. Have I achieved it yet? Nope. But let me tell you something. There is a change because there has been growth. Things that I had to compel myself to are now my nature because there's been growth. Things that I'm still working on, I hope someday are my nature that I'm still compelling myself to do. Right? But it's an active work of God in your life. So just be honest with him and stay in your heart. Quit trying to, he knows, quit trying to hide. He knows. Adam and Eve are hiding in the garden. God's like, where are you? He didn't, he, not that he didn't know where they were. He knew the disconnected their heart happened. He's asking, what happened to your heart? And of course he knew, but he, he's questioning them. And we're going to do a series soon on Wednesdays, and we're going to go through every time God or Jesus asks somebody a question. We're going to talk about it. I think we like to question him a lot, but what's God asking you? How about that? All right, state of your heart. But the wonderful thing is, because of the grace and the mercy of God, is everybody tonight has a moment to step forward from where they are today, in this moment right now. I have the grace and mercy from God from where I'm at tonight, because I haven't achieved it yet to walk forward from where I am. That's what he affords me. That's the wonder of God. But also, like the parable, the sinner coming that needs to start, there's also the grace and the mercy from the very start, too. In both cases, leaving your heart justified before him. So I don't say this to shame you or make you feel bad about yourself or anything. Don't think that, but I am challenging you. Wherever you stand today, right now, the state of your heart, the motivations of your heart, why you do what you do, Let's start making the right steps forward. Ask him to help you, to show you, and to be honest with you. Remember David prayed? What did he pray? He prayed. He said, Lord, search me and know me, right? Find any offensive way in me, then lead me in the way everlasting. That's a prayer. I pray that prayer. I want to be honest. Lord, Lord, you know me. I know that. But, but expose me to myself. You know. But let me know. Because I want to keep on this, this way everlasting. Amen? Can we do that? Okay. Let's do that. Lord, we thank you. Lord, that you love us. You want the best for us. You're trying to show us life as you intend it to be. 
Lord, to forgive us of sins, but set us free so we can live in new life. Lord, you're not trying to force us to be this certain way, but, but what you're doing is you're trying to bring us to freedom. Lord, that's fruit of the Spirit, that's freedom. It's a way of living that is, wow, what you intend. Lord, help us. Show us. Help us. We ask, we ask, Lord, that you give us the next step in just the road of growth in you, and you just help us in that step, Lord. We thank you for how far we have come, but we know that there's, there's road to go. So all the while, Lord, we praise you and we worship you, consistently committing ourselves to you. Because you, you are God and there is no other. And Lord, I just do pray that you bless our time of fellowship, bless the s'mores and all that business that we're about to jump into, Lord. I pray this church is strengthened, encouraged. We come against the plans and the schemes of the enemy, not only for this church, but the individuals in this church. Lord, that we are strong and united and doing the life of Jesus, of you, Lord, together. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, we all say, amen, amen. Well, it's great to have you tonight. Be blessed. Come hang out for a little bit, and we'll see you Saturday morning if you want to help out. But have a wonderful rest of the week.